We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. <laughs> Contrary to uh, what that sound normally means. Normally. That was just a Pepsi. <laughs> That's right. St- still on the job right now, right? On the right. job. Got to drive home, you know. And it's snowing outside. Yeah. And it's yeah, snowing outside. Lots of snow. We, we put out a couple of videos. We put one this morning and then another one driving through the snow. Kyle was filming and I was driving, so we're safe. Uh, all that stuff. Um, we got a good treat for you this week. We've got, we are at, make sure I get all this right. Yeah. Um, White Mountain Taxidermy. Taxidermy. Yep. Uh, with Josh and pronounce your last name jensen jensen yep. okay um cool podcast i think i think we're gonna talk about some um great job wrap it up yeah <laughs> no yeah, i'm just kidding yeah, yeah. Shut um, up, kyle no this is like we were talking about just a little bit ago um i think this is a fantastic podcast to have for both new hunters and long time hunters um i know when i uh do any type of instruction for hunters or whatever, uh, it's always a good idea just to remind people about stuff because oftentimes we get relaxed about how we do things. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of the biggest, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, one of the biggest no-nos is ruining the meat. You yeah. Know, bring, that home, bring, that, bring that meat home good. Well, that's the ultimate there's some things, you know, shoot a jackrabbit, you're probably not going to eat him. But, right. <laughs> but that ultimately, you go out and you want to harvest a elk or a deer or an antelope or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't eat those horns, you know. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> and you the can. horns really require very little care mm-hmm. compared to the meat, you know. Yeah. So. And yeah. for the most part, you know, when you're talking to um, public land hunters especially, but all hunters, that's the majority of your hunters out there are looking to bring home that meat to yes. fill the freezer to, yep. um, you know, kind of live, Feed the family, live sustainably. If you, if you can call it that. And, and, and there's kind of a misconception, I think, or even if you are a trophy hunter and you're looking to get that trophy to hang on the mm-hmm. wall that, you know, you've got to put all this time and care into that part of it. And a lot of people forget about taking care of the meat because mm-hmm. they've got a trophy and you can have a trophy and still recover the meat yes at the same time you don't have to sacrifice one for the other typically yeah so and still have and and still do something good with the meat mm-hmm. um even if you know i know this year uh i took my oldest daughter hunting and it was just a cow elk so i'm not a trophy hunt per se but it's the same principle she um you know she came in from utah couldn't take most of the meat back so uh but we still took those steps to take care right. of the meat uh-huh. and that meat went to a friend of mine who needed meat for the winter yeah yep. so yeah. and and i'll be honest there's nothing more disappointing to me than especially on a cow hunt or you know i get a young raghorn bull or uh or a little fork horn deer and the guys ruin the meat for it i'm like 
We don't even have a. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> right. Well, it's just That's a, the whole reason a solid, for it. It's a solid waste all the way around. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like not even any point in going. Yeah, it's like why did you even? Why, especially a cow. I hate seeing a cow get you know spoiled. Right. I mean, it's like why did you even shoot her? Right. That was next year's bull. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's Absolutely. pretty disappointing when you see that happen. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a bad part of it. That's <clears throat> you know kind of a little black eye on on hunting when you do that kind of stuff. Right. There's, there's and, and things happen. You know, yeah, there's but, times when it can't be helped. There's yeah. there's times that you know things happen, circumstances, circumstances or whatever. dictate it. But you know, for the most part, that's what we want. Is you know we want a clean kill um, and a clean harvest, and we want to bring everything home um, and get it to the freezer. Um, in in the largest amount possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of speaks back to some of the few, uh, uh, past podcasts that we've done talking about preparation. Uh, you know, I'm I'm up here in Rio Doso this week for a class, and we're talking a lot about pre planning. Right. Uh, and that pre planning can help you anticipate, or um, at least prepare you for those situations that are unexpected to mitigate any of that loss. Right. And that and that's that's key because I mean a lot of a lot of spoiled elk that I see and a lot of you know poorly packed out elk mm-hmm. that I see a lot of times it was number one thing they weren't they weren't prepared to handle mm-hmm. it. All they thought about was up to the point of pulling the trigger. Yep. And after that, <laughs> I mean they were yep. they weren't prepared from that point on to either one, they didn't have a plan to take care of the meat in the field, and two, they didn't have a plan on how they were going to get it yeah. from the hellhole that they found themselves in. You right. know well, what I mean? And, and that's so. a great point. It's really funny yeah. how there, a lot of people, you know, new hunters, old hunters, you you were so excited to go hunting, so right. excited, mm-hmm. and you prepare. Like Rodney is is the planner. He does all the planning, and you know we prepare for a camp and the meals, and you prepare by going out and shooting. And oftentimes that's where your preparation stops. And, you know, that's like what, what we like to say. Once you pull that trigger and get one down, that's when the work starts. It's all work from there. That's yeah. all work. And people don't like to think about the work part of right. it. They like to think about the fun, the part, fun part, the stalking yeah. and all of that. Yeah, that's when the, the fun ends is when work begins. I, st- I still think it's fun. I do too. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I like every aspect of hunting. Um, but, it, I mean, it's a couple of points. You know, it's the way we camp. Yeah. You know, we camp hard. We we don't, and not to knock people that do like campers, you know, if that's your boat, float it, whatever. Uh, but we like to set a large camp, canvas tents, cast iron, um, and it's work. You know, right. chopping the firewood, setting the fire pit, you know, getting out away from the that's kind Main of the, the standard that we said is we're ready for the work that we're has to be done. For the work to have yeah, to be right. done, and 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 you're exactly right. You know, we we stop preparation at the shot. And so it's it's a very good idea to have a buddy or two aware. Hey, I may call you right if I get something down, and and you probably if you don't have that, it's probably a good idea to not take that shot. Well, well, if you're in a position to where you can't get it out by yourself. People go through all that effort to get, you know, you draw on mm-hmm. the tag, you've, you've done all this preparation to get out to the hunt, do your camp, do the hunt. All that will be taken away the moment your meat processor says, this isn't any good, go throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? All that enjoyment and all that fun that you just had on that hunt, I mean, when that happens, it's 
it just nullifies all of it, you know? And, yeah. and so you can really see it. I mean, and, and I hate having to tell people that, but mm-hmm. I mean, it takes an awesome hunt and, and down to where it was like, well, crap, you yeah. know, what, Waste, what? wasted, yeah. wasted year. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Kyle and I have a shared experience where, you know, we, we did everything right. Got me home. I had a freezer go out. You had a freezer go out. Yeah. I right. was just as heartbroken over that yeah. right. as I would have been had I ruined the meat out in the field. Right. And it was pretty much no beyond fault of anybody. control. Yeah. No yeah. Fault but of I'm st- I was still heartbroken, you know. I yeah. was like, man, that you know, I lost a half a cow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, and that's the thing. There's, even out in the field, I think, you know, there's things that happen where just out of your control sometimes you, you end up wounding one and it takes you longer to find him than, yeah. it, than it should have or... Or uh, you just, you know, he ends up in a bad spot and weather's hot. Mm-hmm. There's injuries that happen out in the field, breakdowns that happen in the field. Mules run off with your meat out in the field and you find it four <laughs> days later. Right. You know what I mean? And they still I got that even, meat hanging uh, on them, you know. Yeah, so I hadn't even thought of that one. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, stuff I can, that I can, abs- I can absolutely envision that because I've had my horses leave me twice in the right. wilderness. They slipped hobbles <laughs> and were gone. Yeah. What was that? Uh, what you was were that? with me what one was, of the times. What was that hike? No, sorry. Yeah. That, I've had it happen Three times. Yeah, it happened to me, you, and Allie. Yeah, it happened to me twice while I was um, packing salt. How far did we yeah. hike out of there? Was it? How far? Uh, was it it was uh, no, no. It was. I hiked six miles because I had to come three miles back to cabin and three miles back up. What you rode back up though, didn't you? No, bareback. Uh, oh, that's right, I did. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was just. I think it was over just just a little over three miles. I think. Yeah, uh, is what we tracked it on on Google, but or. Horses I'm thinking of my other one where I and hiked out since. Yeah. And, and he took off, and we gathered a little bit of the gear, um, me and my sister-in-law, and we hiked back out to the cabin, and he, he passed us on the horses going back up because he had to right. get the saddles. <laughs> um, and yeah. we walked all the way to the cabin, and then he, he rode in. He, he, we didn't beat you by much. No. Um, but still... Yeah, that, yeah, I can I can that's, picture that happening. Yeah, I mean, happen. things happen. But I will say this: I think probably seventy five percent of the time it was a preventable yeah. thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I, if, I, if I would push that and prepared. say you're probably yeah. looking at eighty, yeah. eighty to ninety yeah. percent of the time. It's a very conservative yeah. number. Yeah, you but, you look yeah. at um, you know the same same type of scenario when you talk about hunting quote unquote accidents when when you. Uh, have a pass through or you shoot, you know, misidentify and shoot a spike rather than a cow. The majority of those are preventable. Right. They're, they're very few true accidents, you know, in in hunting. Um, I can think of like one offhand that I've heard about where, um, you know, some guys shot, missed, it ricocheted off of a, a good backstop that they had. Right fragmented went over the ridge and just the shrapnel fell on some other hunters across the ridge that they had oh, no nice. idea were there a different property right all that so you know that that right there is a true accident yeah um like you're talking about most of it is preventable yeah, um, yeah. a freak a deal bit. where you know your mules blow i could see that right. as, as a, a, probably one of those kind of freak accident type yeah. deals where right. you have no control yeah. right and I mean, I'd put, I'd put shot placement in there to a degree. 
Yeah, because um, yeah. you you can have a, a and anybody a, can make a bad, a bad shot, shot anytime. Yeah, you know, a bad shot. I tell on you an the animal that runs one of my, a mile and yeah, now you're a lot further in there than you thought. And one of my biggest pet peeves, especially during bow season anymore, is uh, you know we watch all these whitetail hunting shows and I shoot mm-hmm. these whitetails right before dark. Yeah. Well, let's just go let him. We're gonna let him. We'll go find him in the morning. We're gonna let him go mm-hmm. lay. And we'll find him in the morning. On the show, they go find this whitetail, and he's stiff as a board, and he's had the guts laying in him all night, and he went 25 yards and died, you know? So he's been dead all night, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, and this this whitetail, he's going to be fine. He's going to be great for eating. That is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I see it in both, and so we've got this misconception. That's one of, you know, a lot of the a lot of the problems when people lose their meat is because they've there's a lot of misconceptions out there, and they're mm-hmm. just not educated in, on how meat spoils to begin with, you know, and, and so, I mean, I've seen that, that trend has grown so much over the last few years, especially during bow season. These guys will shoot these elk right before dark and well, I'm just going to back off and lay, leave them alone, let him die. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times they go 50 yards and they're dead. I mean, he was probably mm-hmm. dead in 10 minutes. It was a good shot and everything. Yeah. And those bulls are always spoiled. I tell those guys, I say, look, if you're not, if you shoot one at dark mm-hmm. and you're not prepared to retrieve that bull that night and at least get him, you know, quartered, um, get that skin off and hang in a tree because it's in September, it's going to be hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do that, then either one, don't shoot him or two, go back the next day and just cut his head off and walk away because yeah. it ain't worth, don't bring it to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think it comes back to talking about that mental preparation of yeah. everybody thinks about up to the shot. Right. But they haven't thought through. What are we going to have to do? What are we going to have to do? Well, and, and that's what I say, though. There's a lot of uh, media things out there. You know, they're watching all these hunting shows, and that's what they do. You know, you, how yeah, many times they, have you watched that? On, how many times have you watched that on a hunting yeah, show where yeah. they shoot one and they well, let's leave him, we'll back off, come find him mm-hmm. tomorrow, and then they tell you on the show, and he's fine. fine. Well, that's what people think. There's a lot of people they, that they don't, that they now. don't, they don't, you know, you're not there to see the entire process afterwards. Right, exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. just, you know, so they don't show you that after the cameras got turned off, they probably went and dumped that deer in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know what probably. I mean? Yeah. So, and that's, that's the huge, I mean, I probably, it's disgusting how many bulls I throw away during bow season because yeah. of that every year. So, and if it were, if we were, you know, and it's, this is particularly in New Mexico, if we were somebody somewhere where it's much, much colder, there might be a small difference in that. There might there, be, but here's the thing. Um, here's the but thing still, with that. Still, why it doesn't matter. It? it doesn't why even risk it? doesn't even matter if there's snow on the ground. If you leave the guts in it for a 12 hour right. stretch, which mm-hmm. is what's happening whenever you leave them for the night, mm-hmm. it's a ton of heat. Well, I mean, you can cut them open in the morning. They're I'm still. Gonna, I'm going to tell you this from my own from my own experience, and I've been doing this for 16 years now, mm-hmm. so I've seen it all. And uh, you cannot leave. You can't leave any animal with the guts overnight. I don't care how cold it is, and not have some spoilage. If not, most of the time it's a hundred percent spoilage. And I've had, I've actually had elk where they've shot them, left them overnight, and it froze so hard that night that from their like their knees down, you can't stick a knife in them to to start skinning them. They're froze solid. Yeah. The rest of the body still is warm. still warm inside I mean, the, and i mean you're gonna you're gonna open them up they're gonna be green you know what i mean they're gonna be sour yeah and it's kind of like i tell those i i are i have to argue with the problem is people get in the mindset they've gone through all this work and effort to pack that that animal they're out selfish 
Well, and they're just they 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 don't want to give up on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I get in these arguments with people about their meat being spoiled, and they're just I just don't understand how. And I've done every I did all this and that, and I said, look, you know, you left it overnight with the guts, and it spoiled. It doesn't matter how hard the pack out was; it was spoiled when you got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, they want to validate well, the work they want, that they've yeah, done exactly, and they, and they don't want to lose it. They're hoping for anything. They're like they're hoping I can provide a miracle for them. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'll have guys tell me, well, he's just a little spoiled, and I'll tell them, a little spoiled is spoiled. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about oh, yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Just a little spoiled. And, and that's the problem. There's a, you know, there's a lot of people that are not hunters. They're friends of hunters, but they like the wild game meat, or they don't like the wild game meat because they've had a friend that has given them meat that wasn't taken care of properly in it's the just field. Just a little spoiled. It's just a little spoiled. <laughs> And they pass that on to their friend that's not a hunter. And if you talk to a lot of non-hunters, they'll tell you, I don't like wild game. It's nasty. It's gamey. It's whatever. Mm. And it's most of the time, I think it's because those people got some meat that was not taken care of properly in the field. Yeah. It was spoiled. Um, if it's taken no, that, care of properly in the field, 90% of the time that meat's going to be pretty good. You know? Yeah, so. it, it is. Now... Except for that, Barbary sheep ribs. The, yeah, <laughs> right. Barbary sheep ribs are not good. Um, the, the gamey thing. I've come to the conclusion that gamey is just a term that gets thrown around. But wild game tastes different than right. beef from a store. Yeah. It doesn't have a gamey taste. It it's just, just a different it flavor. It has a different flavor, you know? Um, and, there, and there are some strong, I mean, you're going to get, during the rut season, you're going to get a bull every now and then. I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. He's going to taste like an old, rank, nasty. Mm-hmm. He's going to taste just like an elk smells. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're pretty good. Every now and then, you're going to get a bad one, yeah. you know? Well, and not only that, but it, it um, a lot of times it does depend on what they've been eating on. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, we, um, whenever my brother was living in, up there in Cloudcroft or in Mayhill, mm-hmm. we took we took one of those wild pigs off of the apple orchard. Right. The meat was sweet. It was good. Yeah. It was delicious. Um, you know, conversely, when I was working for the, for the game department, um, I rarely, I, I almost wouldn't sell somebody a bear that had been in the dumpsters in town and be like, right. If you want it for the hide, that's fine. But if anybody was looking for bear meat, can I, I've had some right. ask for that. Most people have a bad, um, mm-hmm. image of bear meat, but the bear meat that I've had was from the field and they've been on acorns. Right. Great meat. Yeah, you know, but I wouldn't sell somebody bear meat that had been in the dumpsters in, the dumpster, in right. town. There's no way. Yeah, it's different flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah not different flavor. Taste. Nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could smell it whenever you cut into them, right? Yeah. So, so field care. So we we, we got up to where you're taking the shot, and let's say you recover the animal. What's the number one thing that you see after that? That, that people do wrong? I think, you know, the, the number one thing that I see after, let's say they've shot it and they went ahead and, and they've made the effort and they recovered, they're at mm-hmm. the animal. Number one thing is is leaving the hide on it, on the, especially elk. Elk are not forgiving at all. I mean, you have to get that. They're so well insulated and they're such a thick, heavy, muscular, you know, muscular animal that you've got to get that hide off and uh, give them a chance to get some airflow around them, cool out. You can get away with a lot, and even in warm temperatures, you know, just by hanging that that uh, 
meat in the shade mm -hmm. and letting some air flow around it you can i mean you can get away with quite a bit but if you leave that hide on there it's just cooking you know yeah. it's it's going to spoil on you quick um so that's probably the number one thing as far as spoilage goes the other thing is is a lot of people um people are getting better about you know packing game bags and stuff with mm -hmm. them back when i first started this Nobody used game bags, and <laughs> I mean, there's the New Mexico shake and bake. You know what I mean? <laughs> <It> was, hey, <laughs> you know, pine needles, a little bit yeah, of juniper berry. It's just seasoning it, the meat. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's just, <laughs> it just blew, blows my mind. You know, people bring me this dirt ball, and they want, and then they and then. And they want the full want, amount of meat. They, you know, yeah, I so, want all so T-bones out of this. Well, that, okay. It's that, miracle, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's that miracle dust you got in the back for yeah, the little bit spoiled, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so people so people are getting better about using game bags and, and, and trying to take care of it out in the field. Um, one thing that's a little disappointing is just, you know, sometimes the amount of meat that we get that comes in. You know, I see these guys. I see guys sometimes and they shoot a – I'll give you an example. I've got an outfitter here locally that I work with really good um, with his clients and packing out their meat. And, I mean, I'll get dang near as much meat off of one of his quartered out, packed out elk if I, as, as I would skinning one here at the shop, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I've got other guys that bring, you know, bring meat in. And uh, just to give you an example, if I skin an elk here at the shop, depending on the size of the bull, age of the bull and everything, we can average anywhere from... Oh, 175 on like a raghorn bull up to 300 pounds on a mature bull. Return process being bone out meat, you know. So that's our average coming in, to, or if if we skin them here at the shop. A lot of pack out jobs, we average probably about 130 pounds of meat. Hmm. And I've got some, I mean, we'll get 80 pounds, 70 pounds off of, you know what I mean? And, oh, wow. And they're just, I'm like, first off, there's nothing, you didn't bring us very much the animal to begin with and it's one of those deals where they deboned it out there in the dirt and it's just by the time we get done trimming it up make it where it's edible there's there's just not a lot left so there's a huge difference but like i said it's not that it can't be done right because i've got other people that they're experienced mm -hmm. they know what they're doing they do it right and i'm i mean they're dang near almost getting as much meat as if we skinned it right here at the shop you know what i mean so it can be done out in the field it's just being prepared and, and doing it right, you know. So give you a scenario here. Say you've got a person that is new to hunting. All right, so let's, let's say they're new to elk hunting. Right. They've got a cow tag. Would you, would you recommend them, uh, we'll say they're three hours away from your shop. Right. Okay, just just to put a little bit of a parameter mm -hmm. on it, they're three hours away from your shop. From gutting it to getting it here is three hours. Yeah. Would you recommend them in their novice state try and skin it and bring it to you, or go ahead and get it loaded and get it brought to you, you know, so you can skin it? If what would be best? I'm never going to tell them? nobody not to skin their own well, animal sure. if they're comfortable sure. with that. A lot of people, it's more of a convenience thing. It's just easier to drop it off and let us do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, as far as time wise goes, you know, early in the season, September, early October, it's pretty warm. I mean, if you kill an elk that morning, you've got probably, uh, 
four to maybe six hours, but depending on if you can keep him in the shade mm-hmm. and everything out, but probably about four hours with that hide on that carcass before you're going to start having some spoilage issues. And if he's laying on the back of a flatbed trailer out in this parking lot at Walmart for like four hours, you're going to have a lot of spoilage on that elk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Later in the winter, like when the cow hunts and stuff are going on, you can kill a cow and, you know, you probably got around six hours or so. Um, I tell a lot of guys, like, they do the off-range oryx hunts a lot, you know, around here in the yeah. summertime and stuff. And I tell those guys, I said, look, take an ice chest full of, or full of ice with you, and as soon as you get him in your truck, pack him full of ice, give me a call and just, you know, usually they're within an hour, hour and a half here. And I said, just head this way, and we'll get him skinned real fast and get him in the cooler. The thing that's bad about down there is you try to skin one on the ground out there in that mm-hmm. desert, and it's just so much sand. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst. But I mean, if, so if they can, if they can do that, and it's, it's that prepared thing, uh-huh. you know, I tell the, I tell guys on those Oryx hunts, those, those summer Oryx hunts, get some old carpet, even some cardboard or something, have that. So when you kill an Oryx, lay that as a barrier between the bed of your truck and that Oryx, because that truck bed's hot yeah, and it's just cooking, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just cooking that whole time you're, you're coming in. So even a, a tarp full of something yeah. to, to give yourself a little bit of a barrier, but on a, on like a cow elk like that, if somebody goes out their first time, they've got they've got some time. Sure. If it's somewhere where they can get you know to their truck, get it to their truck and load it whole type deal. Um, I tell you what, in thirty six a lot anymore. There's not a lot of those easy road cows out there anymore. If you're not willing to just pack one out, you're probably not going to kill one. You know what I mean? So I always go prepared to quarter one in the field yeah. and pack it out. I mean. Especially with, with our rule, I you know, every forest is different and stuff, but we can't drive out and retrieve one here. So you're going to pack him out regardless, unless you just happen to kill him right off the side of the road, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, like you say, is not, but not I, as often as it But I see guys spoil, and where I see guys spoil cows a lot of times is uh, they'll do this uh, hunt out here on the reservation, mm-hmm. and there'll be, you know, five or six shooters in the truck. And they'll do a cow, non-tribal cow hunt out there, and they'll shoot one right off the bat in the morning. Then they'll hunt the rest of the day with that one cow riding in that truck for eight hours and bring them in that evening. That cow is spoiled when it gets here. You know what I mean? <laughs> seen, seen the same thing on the place I am now. Yep. Um, you You'll know. see those antelope hunters, and it's 100 degrees out yeah. there. And they're like, and they're cruising I got around. another hunter. No, <laughs> yeah. get, get the antelope to the freaking yeah. barn. It, ta- it, it literally takes, I mean, even somebody that's not experienced, it can't take more than an hour to skin an antelope, quarter it, and throw that meat in a cooler, and you're back to hunting again. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It, so it's it's really just the hunter having a, taking the responsibility and having the initiative and being prepared to handle it once they once they harvest it. You know? Yeah. And as as a hunter in this day and age, especially with with the anti hunting crowd and everybody else, we have to kind of be on our game about that a little bit. You know? I mean, as far as we don't want to look like we're just out there shooting stuff and wasting it and stuff like that, you know, because it gives the hunting industry a bad name yeah. with everybody else that's out there. Yeah. That's kind of fighting against it, against us, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we have, we, as hunters nowadays, we do have an image that we have to portray yeah. to the general public. We've, it, we've talked about that a lot. You know, I don't, I don't have any designs on turning a anti hunter into a hunter. But the biggest goal should be to keep those fence sitters right 
from going to the anti-hunger right. side. And that's that's how you do that is with some public perception. And I get the we can do it and it's all right, but we do have to have a bit of decorum when we're I think doing we, some of those. I things. think we talked about that um, last night a little bit, not not so much in those terms, but um, we were a little side story. I didn't even plan on telling this, but your your comment kind of spurred this thought, and I think it's a, a valid point to get out there. Is that <clears throat> we're at a place now where it's on either side of the aisle, whether it's political or whether it's hunting or whether whatever it is, it's all or nothing. It's your my way or the highway. Um, we were having a conversation last night. And I said something in jest. I was joking. Um, and uh, somebody at the table said, oh, I don't want to talk about that. And so then I actually launched into a conversation about this is where we need to have those, those conversations. Uh-huh. You know, right. we, need to have, we need to have the hard conversations around the dinner table with people that we respect so that you can, so we can understand that it's okay to debate and disagree. Right. And... At times, compromise. Yeah, you know that that just kind of yeah, spurred that that I, thought. And and on the hunting side of things, exactly. I'm not my my goal is not to convert an anti-hunter because they've made their mind up. Yeah, the, the only way they're going to change is if they personally experience something that makes them right. change. Yeah, I can't change their mind. Right, and and that's not. What, I guess I'm not wanting to say that we were out there to change your mind, but. I don't want an anti-hunter that because they're out there in the woods too. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. out hiking and stuff. Oh, yeah. The guy brings me a hind quarter and a back strap, and that's all he brings me. And this bird watcher walks up and finds this dead elk laying there that's, for the most part, still there. It looks bad on us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And now they're looking at it as, well, somebody just shot this elk and didn't even utilize all of it. Mm-hmm. This is wildlife that I enjoy. Yeah, and yeah. and it looks bad on us. You know, that's what I mean? exactly what that's, we're talking about. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the exact point. You know, um, you know, pictures. You know, on social media and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to say people shouldn't take pictures and post them on social media because you should be proud of what you do. Right. Um, but there are probably some things that you can do to make it a little bit more respectable. Right. You know, um, and and we should be proud to be hunters mm-hmm. and proud of our success. Um, I don't say harvest an animal. I say kill an animal. Yeah. That's what we do, right. and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But but there are certain things that we can do, and that's a perfect example. Somebody sees a guy driving out in his four-wheel pickup and, and dumping a spoiled elk, right? you know, because he didn't take care of it. That guy might have been, uh, you know, okay with people hunting because that was their right. He right. wasn't a part of it, but he was okay with other people doing it. Then he sees that, and now he's like, you know what? I am going to support these anti-hunters because that's crap. Yeah, they're you know they're and gonna they're gonna look at it as well. They're wasting the wildlife exactly. that I enjoy as well. You and, know, or, and unfortunately, the majority that that's not the case of hunting. That's not the majority of no. Hunting. That's, that's just one instance. Yeah, but that's the instance that they saw, and now that's what formed their opinion. It's always going to be the so, negative thing that sticks. You know is, what I mean? There's a, there's no a thousand good things is. that are done. Yeah. One negative thing is the one that sticks. That's you know, it. that's it. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. Kind of talked about a little bit about field care. You have any other? Um, you know, I, I, I think that's. I mean, I think as far as meat goes, I think it's. Um, I think you it's. Got any other tips, tricks, suggestions that um, gets it in here safer? I just, I just feel like 
the prepared thing is key. I mean, the preparedness and having it in your head. There's so many times that I see animals that were spoiled or not, uh, you know, very little meat packed out because people weren't prepared. Or, frankly, they were just lazy. Yeah. You know, they walked up to a bull and go, that was laying crap, there. That's you know, I've meat. had guys tell me. We walked up to him. We shot a bull right before dark. We walked up to him. We looked at him. We put our tag on him. But it was getting dark, so we left. And I said, well, did you get him gutted? Oh, no, no. We'll do that in the morning. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? It should be good, right? And I'll tell him, you better. You got to get up there. Go back up there right now. <laughs> And take care of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, stuff like that, I mean, and I don't know if it's just people are lazy sometimes when it comes to that or they're not, they're miseducated about it. There's a little combination of both. Probably but, so. But whatever you see happening on TV where they leave these animals yeah. at night and they say that they're great, they're good for eating the next day, that's a lie. Yeah. It's not happening. Well, and, and one of the other things that I've, I've seen is um, – Especially with people who have never hunted elk, right? In particular, elk, oryx, um, any of these these larger game animals. Barbary, you know, people from back east or from Texas are used to hunting whitetail. They'll come out here and they'll kill something. They'll shoot it, and then they walk up to it and they go. And I've heard it on I don't know how many occasions. Holy crap! Right? What do I got myself into? A lot of meat. (laughs) That's a lot of animals. It's a large. Well, and, and the thing is, is is you know a lot of people. Because if you know if they're not a guide or they're not an outfit or something like this, how many elk are? There's a lot of people that aren't killing an elk every year. They're killing an mm-hmm. elk every five years, every yep. ten years. Yeah. Yep. And so it's not the norm for them. And so you know, I walk up to an elk and I go to work because I know exactly what I'm doing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A lot of people are like, man, I don't even know where to start with this thing. And so, you know, it it would be, I think, if you're if you're that type of person where where you're just not quite clear. You know, there's, watch a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. I mean, get, have a have a plan so that when I kill one, okay, I've 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 done I've done enough homework. I know I'm going to start here, do this, do that, do that, and then and then you'll it'll it'll come together pretty quick. Um, it always amazes me when I get the guy that's like, man, it took us eight hours to skin that elk. And I'm like, eight hours, right. <laughs> <laughs> or getting the skin and quartered. You know, yeah. and I'm like, what? How is this possible? <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's that's kind of a thought that's been running through my, my mind since we started the podcast is, you know, we we advocate that people, um, you know, learn as much as they can before they go out and do it. But there's it's really tough for big game animals like that to be consistent doing it unless you're an outfitter or, right. or you're yeah, dealing in the industry right. every single day. Um and so, like, even whenever I was younger in my hunting career, I, we got our first elk, and it probably was, what, a couple of years later before we yeah. got the chance to do it again. And right. that exact thought, when I walked up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. What do we do here? Let me break this down and remember what I did, you know? Yeah. And so um, it's hard. How, you know, how do you, how do you practice that, um, you know, that breakdown of the animal um, in your off time when you're not hunting, if you're only right. hunting elk every five years, yeah. YouTube's a great. We, you know, our technology is fantastic yeah. these days. Yeah, um, but it, it, and YouTube can only prepare you for so much. Exactly. But, but, but you're exactly right. I mean, you know. So look at me. I'm 44, so I've been hunting for 30 some odd years. 30 something odd years. 
and the number of elk I've killed is very small compared over, to over, the, yeah. over that right. span. And and they're not all in the same year. So they're one every three or four or five years. And when that's the way it's done, it's hard for it to become repetitive. Yeah. You know, but, that's the thing where, you know, where you can, I mean, there's all kinds of things people can do. Uh, you know, if you have a deer tag that year and you know you got an elk hunt coming up and you harvest your deer, break that. It's the same thing. It's just thing. smaller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Break that sucker down and be like, okay, pre practice it once yeah. or twice. I've even done um, in the past, like I had an outfitter that had a lot of new guides coming on and they weren't really, you know, he wanted his clients to be taken care of after the shot was made, not just up to the shot. He wanted their meat to be taken care of properly and stuff. And, and so we had, you know, we got together and had a big, basically guide outfitter meeting here at the shop we picked up a road road kill deer mm -hmm. and uh i brought him in and said okay this is how this is how this done and we laid it out and we we uh we corded it all out just like if they were in the field we caped it just like if they were in the field you know all those things that way they could get a get a at least a hands-on yeah. visual type and you know a lot of guys you know some of those guys have been doing it for a while like ah whatever i know what i'm doing and, and uh those are still some of the guys that bring me some some <laughs> pretty rough stuff. Yeah. But some of those guys that you know, if you go and you kind of you know some guy and some guys they 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 know exactly what they're doing. They're yeah. pretty skilled at it. Other guys that were new at it, man, they they uh, they took the experience to heart. They have they ask questions mm -hmm. and and now they do a really great job with the animals that they bring me. You know. Yeah. Well, like right out of. Um basically right out of my second year out of college i worked for a, a processor up mm -hmm. there in springer and uh so i i cut elk all the time so i got really used to it but then there was a span there where i was in college and and working and just didn't get to do it all that much and and you just forget i know for me um even though i've done it a lot watching other guys man there's there's little tips and tricks right. like whoa that was slick <laughs> right right that was slick i'm yeah. I, i'm gonna try that next time yeah. right and so it, it never hurts just to 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 watch and and i'm glad you brought up you know having having a little meeting here or, or letting them get their hands right. on you know there's some some places that are starting to introduce some of that game processing into uh into hunter ed and into the schools which is fantastic um i was just out at the great american outdoor show in pennsylvania this last week and they had a butchering um, right ex, you know expo there or whatever yeah. yeah what do you call it uh demonstration right. where a guy went through and, and showed you how to do it and you know he took a he took a a back strap off of a, a white tail and it's a little bit different they got those white tail out there have about that much right right fat on their back but you know he just took whenever he was preparing that backstrap. He just took his thumb and ran it in between the backstrap and the fat, and it just that fat just fell off. Right off. And then he, when he laid it on the on the table to take the silver skin off, he said, "You know, you just cut down to the silver skin. You almost can't cut through the silver skin, and you turn your knife and you just go right fillet along, it. and you just fillet like it." And you know, I knew that. Yeah. But seeing it done right. again just reaffirms, man, that's that's slick. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, and especially seeing a professional. A absolutely. YouTube, you know, you, we've mentioned YouTube several times. That's a great place to learn a lot. It, it really is, especially for somebody that doesn't have those those other those channels. resources to do or a place to go or a friend. To, yeah. You know, that's the thing. You've got a friend that, that maybe you didn't draw a tag this year. You go help a buddy pack out an elk. 
there's your learning opportunity right there. Yeah. Take advantage of those opportunities. I was, was going to say you the know. same thing. If you, you know, you've probably got fam- If you hunt, if you're in a hunting family, or even if you're getting into hunting, you probably know somebody. There's somewhere, some way, and somebody will help. Somebody will right. have a tag yeah. within the seven degrees of you knowing somebody. And, right. and honestly, have a tag. If, you, if you don't have any of those resources. Before your elk hunt, go shoot a jackrabbit. And it's the same process. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a scale. small scale, but yeah. it's the same thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. so, don't need a license. I yeah. You can eat them if you really right. want to. <laughs> I checked out. I got that. I, I got on YouTube and checked out the gutless method, and I'll ask you what your opinion is on that in a minute. But uh, we, you know, after getting several elk and stuff like that and then hearing about the gutless method, mm. We got online. Now, I'd never do it with a deer because I just don't see the point. Right. But the gutless method for elk is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, so in my opinion, I, I think it's great. Here's my only problem with the gutless method. Uh-huh. The gutless method, uh, a lot of guys leave a lot of that neck meat and a lot of that rib meat. You know, of course, you're not going to get that flank meat that's in the belly there because that's what's holding your guts in when you do it. You're not really losing a ton of meat there. Yeah. But there's, you know, if they're just peeling, I call it chicken winging them. If they're just peeling that front shoulder off right up to the, right up to the shoulder blade, uh-huh. and they're chicken winging them on, you know, that you can pick up that. If you can pick up an elk shoulder with one hand, you did it wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the way that should be done in that gutless method is all that rib meat should get flayed off, yeah. and it'll stay attached to that hind quarter. And then you can cut it off right in front of the hind quarter, or, or not the hind quarter, sorry, the, the front shoulder. Yeah. And then cut that cut that off right in the f- front of the front shoulder at the neck. Yeah. So you don't have, if you leave the neck attached to that too, it, it's almost too much to handle. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, and what I see a lot of times is guys will just, they'll do the gutless method, they'll get their hind quarters, they'll get their back straps, they'll chicken wing that front shoulder, not really get much of that neck meat. And they're really leaving about, when I talk about that 130 pounds, they're leaving, you know, 70 to 100 pounds of meat in the woods doing it that way. Yeah, but that's them, that's them leaving it. That's them leaving it. And that's, and that's, that's, but the problem is, is that's kind of the people's concept of the gutless method sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you can do the gutless method and and get all that neck mm -hmm. meat, get all that rib meat, you can get all the rib meat, you can get your tenderloins, you can get your liver and you can get your heart. Yeah. You can still do all of that. Um, You just, you've got, to me, you've got most of the meat out of the way before you get into that. Well, and, and, and for, and for breaking one yeah. down out in the field to pack out, I mean, yeah. the gutless method is perfect, you know, and and, and it say, especially if it's warm, it's going to save you that step of gutting them. Yeah. You know, once you get done, you kind of get in there and get your tenderloins out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, I have no problem with it as far as Just if it's there. done right. Comes you know back, what I mean? It comes back to don't be lazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, um, just, to, you know, just a reminder for people out there, uh, leaving – Edible meat on the carcass is illegal. Yeah, 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 it yeah. Is. you can't You're do it. To take it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So come to to come to you know trophies and and mm-hmm. getting stuff mounted and taxidermy. Um, it's something I've never done because I've never killed anything big enough. Because you know. It steps out in front of me. I'm going to try right. and shoot it. <laughs> a moment of opportunity, you take my, it. <laughs> my trophy, my trophy case is the freezer. 
Um, but but you know, if I ever do get something, right. I'm going to want to take it. Now, I'm a seasoned hunter. Right. I've hunted a long time. I have no idea how to cape an animal. Yeah. Bring it in here for you to be able to do your job. And so, and a lot of people don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, you got to dip into the magic pixie yeah, dust. Yeah, we, we, we dip into the magic pixie dust all the time for that. But, but yeah, so, you know, the caping is one of those things where if you're going to go out and you're going to trophy hunt or you think you might harvest a trophy that you want to hang on, this is the year. If I get a good one, I'm hanging him on the wall, you know. You really ought to go visit your taxidermist uh-huh. and uh, talk to him, and, and he's going to show you exactly what he's looking for. Um, there's a few, th- few misconceptions about, and, and they've been, they've carried on forever. It seems like the way they, the way the mannequins were made back in the sixties and seventies mm-hmm. is not how mannequins are made. Now we have a much more anatomically correct mannequin for most animals. And so a lot of the old, and so for mannequin, you're talking about the foam form. Yep, the foam form. That you put yep. the hide on and, yep. and do the art from there. Yes, sir. And so those mannequins back in the, the 60s and 70s weren't anat- very anatomically correct. And so, but the people still cut those capes for those style of mannequins. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens a lot of times, the biggest uh, mistake I see people doing is, uh, you know, they'll leave me a, all the cape on the back, clear back to the hip bone. They'll say, I left you plenty of cape. The biggest mistake is how they cut the front legs mm. in the armpit area and the, and, the, and the brisket area. And a lot of times they cut that away from the mount. And so, yeah, you left me plenty in the back, but I don't have anything right here in the front. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make out in the field as far as making the cuts on those. Um, and that's why I say, go to your, if you think you're going to harvest one that you want to use as a trophy... Go to your taxidermist. He's going to be able to show you, draw it out. Maybe he'll have a mount there. He can show you exactly what he's going to be doing. You come by my shop in the wintertime, we're skinning something every day. I'll, you know, it's it's going to be the same on any animal, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, in general, when you when you when you talk about it, um, you don't want to come up the front up the brisket because that's really hard to blend together. So, correct? Yeah. So well, so what it is is when you when you, let's say you're going to gut one. Uh-huh. Or even the gutless method, you can do the same way. When you, let's talk about the gus, gutless, gutless method, because that's how you're going to probably do a bull elk if you kill an elk. And, and mm-hmm. the reason I'm using elk a lot, because that's typically what we deal with the most yeah. over here in Rudoso. But but it translates to but it translates most to other animals, yeah. So a bull elk, you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, tube skin a bull elk out on the ground. It's just no way. So you're gonna split that skin from the base of the head right down the center of the back to the tailbone. You're going to do that anyways if you're doing the gutless method. Right. What I like to do is at where the sternum comes together in the brisket, behind the shoulder, basically that's where you're going to cut him around. And you're going to go around his the circumference of his body at that point. Here's where people, here's where most of the damage or where people mess up the most. The old way, if you listen to all the old timers, they'll tell you, start on the front leg, go down the inside of the leg, and make this V cut like this. Well, what that in the brisket here? Yeah. So basically, from the what would be your the arm, inside of the armpit, inside of the arm to the armpit, and then make a V down to the tip of the to, sternum. To the sternum, yep. yeah. And so what happens is, and that worked with those old mannequins. These new mannequins that are more anatomically correct, 
that cuts out all the armpit and brisket out of your mouth. And so what I teach guys to do is you go down the back of the leg, and you'll see most animals have a little hair pattern that's right there, and it's it's aligned. It's where that long hair meets the short hair yep. on the in, the long hair of the outside of the leg. Uh, outside of the leg meets the short hair on the inside yep. of the leg. And they'll have a little line, and that's your guide. You just follow that line back to the back corner of the armpit and then go straight back to where you cut around circumference, you know, the circumference of the animal. And what that does is that leaves you a nice big square brisket armpit area for your mount. Very and nice. So, so yep. um, maybe to get the listeners a little bit of a, a, little bit of a visual on that, um, I'm looking at an elk picture on his back wall right now. But if you do that, if you go on the back side where that line is and come up to basically the bend in the shoulder. Yeah, I call it just the back. The back. And you'll see that that, there's, there's, that line there's will like continue a, There's on. like a, almost a dark line right there yep. along the belly. Yep. Yeah. And then you can just come straight back to towards where, his where, back. Cut, where he cut the circumference. Yeah, yep. gotcha. Nice. It leaves a nice square brisket. And then I just... Some guys will chop them off a little short in the front leg. They're trying to save that half a pound for packing, which I understand sometimes. But you want to cut that hide off the knee, you know what I mean, on that front leg. And you'll have plenty of cape. And I mean, that's the thing to think about. When you, you know, you pack, you, you're going to haul that elk out of there. Mm-hmm. You got an elk head with a cape on it, and you're going to haul that out of the woods. That's, you know, 70 pounds, 50, 70 pounds right there. That's going to be a load. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. It just depends on how extreme you want to be because there's a lot of elk that I don't shoot because I'm like, I ain't packing that dude right. out of there. You know what I mean? Now, here's, here's a good question for you. Would, you. would you rather them leave the cape attached to the head or exactly um, where I was fixing the or would you do, leave, you leave. know, take, take the, the hide around the horns and skin the head out? Yeah, so it depends on the client and how much how comfortable they feel doing that if you think you're going to be way back in there and it's going to be a hellacious pack out i would uh go visit with your taxidermist maybe even see if he can give you a demo on how to cape the head out because that is a little meticulous Mm -hmm. and there are some tricks to that of, of to be able to do it properly and there are some things there especially around like the nose um the tear or the eyes the tear ducts uh those horn burrs the the nose the lips that they have to be there to do the mount. If they're not there, we got to get a lot of that pixie dust out <laughs> and try and fix them. And I'm cussing you the whole time. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in most taxidermists, you know, if you've got a taxidermist that you plan on working with, it's going to save him a lot of work in the long run to have it done right. So he's going to be happy to take a minute to show you exactly what, what needs to be done. So Excellent. I would, I would feel most taxidermists would be willing to work with you on that. Yeah. Um, if it's going to be, you know, it's a short pack out or whatever, and you can get him, get that animal either to your taxidermist or to a cooler right away. Um, you know, you can wrap that cape up around the head and, and bring it on in. The biggest thing with, with skins, the skin is pretty durable. Um, it's just kind of like the meat. You want to get it cooled out. So what I tell guys is when they cape one out, you kind of want to let that, hide lay out for 10 15 20 minutes and let that heat dissipate from yeah off the hide before you just wrap it up around the head or else you can spoil a head that way the other thing that i tell guys is you want to fold that so it's flesh to flesh you don't want 
to leave it flesh side out where it's just drying like a piece of jerky makes it very hard to work with at that point. Um, and then it's, it's, it's just like your meat. You want to keep it cool, you know, um, keep it cool and try to keep it dry if you can. And, uh, you should be, should be good to go. But a, a, a skin is pretty durable for the most part. The only time I have problems with skins is if they've, uh, they're, they either got really hot or some guys will, will, you know, they'll leave a cape in a cooler for two weeks or for in their barn for two weeks and then they'll bring it to me and I'm like, it's not going to be any good. You know what I mean? <laughs> You've got it. You know, they, they think just because it's in a cooler, it's going to last forever. That's not the case. The best thing to do, if you're not going to get it to your taxidermist, um, within, you know, if you have it, say like you're in a camp and you're going to, you're keeping it in an ice chest, you're probably good to keep it in an ice chest for four or five days. Then it needs to go to a freezer or to your taxidermist at that point. So, very nice. Yeah. Um, and this is a personal question for me. I skin and stuff, do some trapping and, and stuff like that. Elk hides a lot thicker and more mm-hmm. durable than than some of those predator hides. But I've always found a not fully dull knife, but semi dull knife is better for skinning. Right. Because you're you know you got a sharp sharp knife. It's really easy to cut a hole in that skin. I'll, I'll tell you the worst thing that ever happened to me was when the Havlon was invented. <laughs> <laughs> the Havlon is an excellent, excellent tool if you know how to use it and you know what you're doing. But if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're slicing, it can cause a lot of damage, not only to the animal, to the hide, but the worst cuts that I see from people coming into this shop or with the have one. I've seen guys, I mean, dang near chop their finger off out there right. in the field, quartering or gutting an animal. And I mean, that, that have on, it's great tool. Like I said, but if you touch yourself with it, it's going to be a deep cut, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 uh, a little tip that I would say for, uh, caping out animals in the field is I like, I don't like using a have on when you're cutting the skin, like, especially down the back of the neck. A stiff, a, a good stiff blade is better for that than like a Havlon. A straighter cut. The Havlon, yeah, the the Havlon wants to walk on you because it's kind of flexible, mm. and it's really hard to make a nice straight cut down yeah. the back of the skin. Um, the Havlon works great once you get that skin peeled back, and you're and you're doing your quartering and whatever. The Havlon can work great yeah. for that. But well, I always yeah. found that um, <clears throat> a lot of people don't probably don't know of it or don't think about it, but a lot of times that man that that hide will come off if you just pull on it. Yeah. It, you know, it just, it, it's not connected by too much. Yeah. You just yeah. got yep. a little bit of sinew and stuff in there and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the head's different, but pulling it off the body, the body yeah. most of the time you can just, yeah. Yeah. Right. Off. just get you a good start that you can get a hold of. Especially when you're just getting them and not trying to save the cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you get your cut around the top and then get in there and get your slit down, you know, the belly and, and once you can get a hold of it, It'll peel. You just peel it. Right you might off. do a little bit of slicing as you go, but yeah. it's gonna it's gonna come right off. Yeah, yep. yeah, really good. Yep. And especially if you're out in the field, make sure you know don't get don't get nitpicky with it, but try and keep as much of the meat off of it as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that's what's gonna spoil. That's what's gonna cause you to slip hair and stuff right. like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like anything. The cleaner the job you do. In the field, the better your end product's going to be, whether it's in your meat processing or your taxidermy work. You know what I mean? It's the better job you do out there, 
the more happy you're going to be with the results of what you get back in return. You know? A to Z. Yeah. So what's the hardest animal to taxidermy? Uh, these New Mexico Ibex are the worst. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because they don't really make... I don't know where our Ibex came from, but they don't really make an, a mannequin that fits those very well. And so usually I have to alter the pose and the size on them. So it's two different alterations. And it's just out... I mean, you would not believe the amount of hours of work that goes into one of those little Ibex. It's <laughs> they're ridiculous. Nice. So yeah, they're <laughs> they're not they're no fun, and they stink. <laughs> they're they're. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah, New Mexico. Those those billies, man. They, I can always tell when somebody's killing ibex because as soon as they walk into my shop, they don't even have to bring it in yet. I can smell it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So nice. Yeah, well, I'm gonna put in for ibex for the first time. I've never put in. For yeah, it, but I'm gonna go ahead and put in for it this year. I think. Yeah, I think you know it's one of those deals that. If you're not if you're not playing the game and, and applying, you're not going to ever draw a tag. You know, I hear a lot of people complain about not drawing tags. I'm like, well, how many times have you put in in the last five years? Well, I've only put in twice. I'm yeah. like, well, if you're not playing the game, yeah, exactly, we, you can't complain. You know, <laughs> we, we we've talked about that on the and, podcast, and, we're and unlike <laughs> and unlike the lottery, you actually get most of that money back. The yeah, exactly. Majority of that money back. But, you know, for me, it's just a short term savings account. So exactly. Yeah, right. look at right. it. <laughs> Whatever you don't draw, you just put that money back in the account. And you right. Add your application fee back to it next year. That's, that's yep. how it goes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, Josh, thank you for joining us. That's so before pretty, yeah before we yeah. get out of here, uh, we'll let you give a plug for yeah. for White Mountain. Kind of let us know um, a little bit about it. Yeah. And, so we're here in uh, Rudos, New Mexico. We've been here uh, about sixteen years. We do taxidermy big game taxidermy and meat processing wild game processing um and we're always here we like um <laughs> the way you guys do your processing the the poundage yeah so so we do yeah. the way we do ours is and and i see a lot of guys kind of go into this now but um it wasn't the norm no it wasn't the most people would kind of charge you per animal type deal and I found, especially with our elk that we do here, because I get them in so many different styles, I guess you'd say. Um, what we do is we do a we charge you by the pound for the finished product. Yeah. So basically, you're we're gonna debone it, we're gonna trim it up real well. You pay for the meat that you take home, and so that keeps it fair for everybody. My guys that are working for me, they're getting paid by the pound, so it keeps them honest because they're working as hard as they can to get as much product for you. So that, you know, the problem, the problem I have with, uh, by the meat, by the piece processing is it's real easy for a guy to get kind of lazy and just gravy train it. And he's just going to get all the easy, good stuff and send it on down the line. Yeah. And he's not having to work that he's, I mean, I don't want to just tell, say that people that are doing that aren't working hard for you, but he doesn't have any reason to work hard for you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where my guys, you know, they have a reason to work hard for you and get as much as they can yeah. because that's how they get paid too, you know? Yeah, and a lot so. of, a lot of, I know a lot of processors do it, um, you know, carcass weight coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so I've, I've had, I, the, I really mm -hmm. like the, by the pound out, out the, out the door. I've had the three, you know, uh, set price for animal. Um, I've had, uh, hanging weight coming in and, which is a much smaller number. Yeah, than the number that's coming out, but but you're paying you're for, also the paying bone for the bone, bone and everything, you know, right? Stuff that you're not getting, and then I've had the way that you do it, um, which is by the 
you know dollar by the pound or price right. per pound coming out finished product um, yep. and I really like it and and I'll I'll help plug you I've I've brought several animals here um, and and have had great luck with all of them so so good I'm sure, good I'm sure he would say it's not luck <laughs> right. <laughs> right right yeah well, <laughs> unfortunately picking a, a processor can be luck i've i've had some that were pretty bad and i've had a lot that were just good well you, you know and, some and it, that were really good and it it depends i mean my my rule with my guys and here at our shop is if i'm not going to eat it right i don't want it I'm not here just to make a paycheck. I mean, I, yeah, I want to make a living, but you know, I'm not here to just give you a, a crappy product just so I can make a make a paycheck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so if I'm not going to eat it, you're not going to eat it. And, and I'll be honest with you. You know, we talk about those spoiled elk or those semi spoiled elk, just a little just spoiled a little elk. Spoiled. I lose a lot of money every year because yeah. I'm throwing away. You know, I throw an elk away, and well, they're just win a paycheck. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and that's what I try to tell guys a little bit when they start arguing with me about how it's spoiled. It's like, look, dude, I'm not just being lazy here. Yeah, and telling you, that, you know, I don't want to do the job. You're losing money. I'm losing. I'm losing money here. I'm kind of bummed that it is spoiled. <laughs> you <laughs> right? know what I mean? Right. Well, it's, so. it's, a great, it's a great product. I, I got my deer done here this year again, um, and I, it's real good. I, I love the breakfast sausage. Right. Uh, got the summer sausage this year. Yeah from you and it's fantastic so good product so if you're in the uh vicinity of of Riodoso, you know if you're hunting in cloud croft or carrizozo or just Corona, 36 in, 34 around here, yeah uh 30 37 i, I brought we, you I brought, brought your deer, deer from, from 58 right <laughs> from 58 yeah you brought yeah. your deer from was it this year no 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 32 no yeah 32 from 32 didn't and you bring i was no, you i was proud of myself for for that 32 buck because when i brought it down here and told him where we killed it he said dang how'd you keep all the sand out of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that's really, really and i'll be, and I'll be honest with you <laughs> i'll be honest with you i mean uh, like i said earlier a lot of your end product depends on how well you take care of it in the field you know and if you want to get you know that's the thing if you want to be respectful to the animal you're you need to utilize the animal to the best of your ability mm-hmm. and so you know, if you take good care of it in the field, we're going to do our best to take good care of it here. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a good product at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, if you don't take care of it good in the field, and we're still going to do the best we can with it, but sometimes it's hard to make a turd shine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Magic, so, magic pixie dust only goes so yeah, far. Yeah, it only right? goes so far, you know? So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That was, a, that was That's good information. One. I enjoyed it. All right. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for joining. Yep. Adios. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.